Welcome to the English with Kirsty podcast from www.englishwithkirsty.com. Here I'll be sharing with you tips, information and other learning resources so that you can improve your business English. Welcome back to episode 176 of the English with Kirsty podcast. And this week I've got the second part of the interview with Gabriel Clark. So last week we had the first part. If you want to go back and listen to that, that's episode 175. And this week is the second part because it got quite long and I thought it would be good to have this. Um, it's more of a, a discussion really than an interview over several episodes. So this is the second and final part. And we're talking about... Um, what learning another language can teach you about your own language. Um, some rules that if English is your first language, you probably didn't even know them were rules and you probably didn't learn them at school either, but they, they are true and they apply to the English language. And then we talk about Gabriel's book and he tells us a bit about that. And um, it's a book for language learners, especially visual learners. So if you're learning English and you're a visual learner, this book could be helpful for you because it demonstrates points and grammar points and useful information about the English language in pictures. So this is a podcast, so I'm not going to show you any pictures, but um, Gabriel does describe a couple of the pictures from the book as well. So if you want to know more about that, you can go to the show notes page, which is englishwithkirsty.com slash podcast slash episode 176. And then you can find the link to Gabriel's book and other links to his blog and his podcast as well. So I hope you enjoy the rest of the interview. Have a good week and have fun learning English. <laughs> so what has learning other languages taught you about your native language then? What, how has it, mm. has it taught you? Yeah, um, certainly, absolutely. Um, especially learning Turkish, which is, you know, such a different language. Most people, most, I guess most people whose first language is English tend to study another Indo-European language. Um, mm as a second language, French, German, um, yeah, or, yeah, et cetera. But um, yeah, Turkish is, is like a completely different language family. We, we have more in common with Persian and Iranian than we do with, uh, than we do with Turkish, uh, because Persian and Iranian is the same language family, despite feeling so far away sometimes. It does sound very alien. But um, yeah, one thing definitely that Turkish highlights very strongly about English is that um, we rely on word order so much. Word order is so strict in English and it, I know this like it isn't so strict even in other Indo-European languages like French and German there's a bit more freedom to move move the words around um, but Turkish really has, has that freedom a lot. Um, so I think that was quite interesting. I've got an example, if I may. Um, yeah. Like, I, it really struck me when I was, I was reading one of the Teach Yourself Turkish books that I had. And um, it was demonstrating how, how you can make questions and make questions about different parts of the sentences simply by moving one particle around. I, I'm going to give some examples. Um, so the examples from this book were, was you've got the phrase... I'm going to speak a bit of Turkish. Is that okay if I just use yeah, some Turkish no, and translate it? it? Okay, so we've got this phrase, bana me bira getiriyorsun, which means 
is it me that you're getting a beer for? <laughs> so you've got this really simple phrase in Turkish and the English for the way we can express that in English. Okay, we can say, are you getting me a beer? You could do it through um, pronunciation. But if you were writing that down and you wanted to make that very clear, we have this very elaborate sentence. Is it me that you're getting a beer for? Move that particle again. So, bana biram getriyorsun. And it becomes completely different. Uh, Said with a, disgust, are you getting, your, yeah, <laughs> are you getting a beer? I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. Is it a beer you're getting, getting me? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Get me something Especially, else. <laughs> you don't want beer? <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> exactly. And then you move it once more and you have um, Banner Beer Getteriormusen and you have the more neutral sentence, are you getting me a beer? Without mm. much emphasis on anything. Um, but yeah, the, the way that the English like is forced to completely rearrange itself, um, whereas the Turkish can just slickly move that one particle along, um, goes to show how much word order is very important in English. And I think um, how much we can we can misunderstand as well, because like with mm -hmm. okay, you can you can use the is it me that you're getting a beer for, but often in English it's just the emphasis. Mm. Um, is it me you're getting a beer for? Are you getting me a beer? Well, no. Or like, oh, are you getting me a beer? You know, it's a lot of it was intonation emphasis. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. if it's said quickly, it, it's more easy to miss that than in the Turkish structure where it's, it's the way that the sentence is put together. Very good point. Yeah. So, yeah. So I guess if you were like not listening out for these sorts of um, cues in, in pronunciation, um, yeah, you, you could miss that really easily, especially if you're used to a system where a particle does that for you. So you don't need to do that with your voice as much. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a lot more is left to chance in English or to, to people being able to read between the lines, which is really hard when it's not, when it's a language that you're learning and you're still getting to grips mm. with the language and the vocabulary, never mind reading or listening to what hasn't been said. Yeah, this is a good point. Yeah, this is very valuable for people who are teaching English to Turks. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I've done a bit of that, not as much as I'd, I'd like to. I'd like to kind of do more of that, but it's, it's definitely something to think of. Mm -hmm. um, when there are rules in your, your own language that you, you don't think of, because that, that example just made me think about um, a conversation I had with somebody about adjective order. Um, in English, okay. you know, how there are certain groups of adjectives that have to come before other groups of adjectives. And I, mm -hmm. I didn't know that until I, I did my teacher training because you don't learn that at school. Um, That's a minefield as wrong. well, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And then definitely sound bizarre, but only because you've learned that they do and, and to try and communicate mm. that to someone whose language doesn't care what order your adjectives come in as long as, all right, put the important ones first, but you know, you know, some languages don't have this whole set of rules. And some languages, I think to some extent, Turkish uh, has a sort of, um, you, the, the adjective, each adjective modifies the one in front. So like, a bo the book I read was, had a lot of alcohol in it. A bottle of, a cold, a cold bottle of white wine or a bottle of cold wine, you know, this, this would, modify the was is the wine cold or is the whole bottle cold um mm. and there's a sort of subtlety that you can you can include in turkish which i guess english again the obsession with word order it doesn't come as naturally in english 
Um, I got another really cool example that I discovered fairly recently and I got quite obsessed with. Um, okay. <laughs> it's, it's two examples. It's linguistic geeky stuff here, but um, they both kind of tie into each other. Um, uh, oh my God, brain melt. Words like rock and roll, I know this normally. Rock and roll, salt and pepper, mother and father, you know, these sort of pair words, binomials. Mm. Um, you have these sort of pair words uh, and they always sort of go in the same order. You rarely say father and mother, you rarely say pepper and salt, you never say roll and rock. Um, and there's been a, a bunch of research into this, trying to, like, why do we do it in this order? Like, why is it mother, father? Why is it uh, day and night? Or night, no, it's night and day, isn't it? <laughs> why is it black and white? And there's all sorts of crazy theories, uh, ranging from how useful something is, which one was invented first, uh, which one has the more power? So like a, a father, son, and husband and wife, you tend to have this association of power with the, with the, with the first um, of the two. Um, but it's never been like fully explained. No one seems to like have got, uh, have like a really solid answer to these binomials and why they're always in this very sort of rigid order. Um, but there is one thing that kind of helps explain it. And I think this is something that's really interesting because it doesn't, this is a very odd thing and it comes very naturally to first language English speakers, but you kind of have to pick it up um, as, a, as a second language speaker. It's called a blout reduplication. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And it's okay. when you have this, okay, so bish bash bosh. The phrase bish bash bosh. This is how I remember the order. It's never bosh bash bish. It's never bash bish bosh. It's always bish bash bosh. <laughs> like big bad wolf. <laughs> big bad wolf. Yeah, big bad wolf falls the thing, falls into it too. Zigzag, um, not zag zig. And it's about the vowel sounds. You have i, a, and o. So uh, okay. So if you can, yeah, it's very difficult to think of a, a binomial that breaks this rule. <laughs> I'm trying to think of one now, but yeah, I can't me too. I should I'll have got some examples. <laughs> but, yeah, um, no, that's, it um, just sounds right, doesn't it? Yeah, it's probably something about convenience and laziness, like the where the tongue is in the mouth or something like that. But um, yeah, stuff like this is very unintuitive to, um, to people who are learning, I think. So it's just, yeah, I don't know what my point is there. I just, it's just really interesting. There's all this stuff you don't think about as a teacher um, that like comes so naturally, like the adjective order, like you mentioned as well. Speaking of which, if we follow the adjective order rules, big bad wolf isn't, isn't right, is it? It should be the, mm. the bad big wolf, but nobody would ever say that because big right. bad wolf just it sounds, yeah. Yeah, and this got me thinking even further, like which one trumps which one? So, so in, your, in this example, the about reduplication trumps the adjective order rule. Mm. Um, does, does something show that the power structure rule trumps about reduplication? I don't know, I haven't looked into it deep enough, but I just find all of that stuff really fascinating. I guess at the end of the day, it doesn't matter too much. <laughs> it's not the most important thing in the world, but it's definitely one of the more interesting little quirky sides of language, I think. And I like stuff like that a lot. Yeah, I think it makes you appreciate it more as well. The more mm. I know that I've learned more about English as an English teacher, 
um, than we ever learned at school when I was supposed to be learning English. Mm. And I think that's one of the fun things about languages. You can learn to appreciate different aspects of, of the different languages that you know or speak when you have something with which you can compare them, because otherwise you, you can't mm. make any comparisons, can you? Yeah, it's you true, speak isn't it? One. Yeah. Yeah, that's, again, coming back to the benefits of learning a language as a teacher. Some, yeah. 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 I definitely, definitely think it helps. Um, mm. I know that you um, wrote a book. I don't know how recently, but I know that you, you have a book. Um, and I was wondering if you could tell us a bit about that because um, I haven't seen it, um, but I know it's got some, it involves some images. And I was wondering if you could tell us something about how that works and, and what's, what's in your, your book. Yeah, it's totally vis visual. It's based on visuals and images completely. It's, um, it's called 102 Little Drawings That Will Help You Remember English Rules Forever, probably because we like catchy titles. Um, <laughs> and you're so, not over-committing, over are you? Because probably... <laughs> the probably is, is a fair point, <laughs> I think, in the title. Um, I mean, they will help you. Be yeah, they won't necessarily ensure that you learn them forever, but I think they'll do a good job of making it easier. Um, and that's it, really. The title kind of says it all. It's 102... Um, drawings basically what happened was over the years of teaching um i kind of collected all those like every time i was describing a sort of grammar point or a vocabulary point that i i used a sort of picture for whether it was something kind of technical like a graph or whether it was something more visual like someone skydiving next to a, a vowel or whatever um i kept any of them that gave that gave provided that sort of aha moment in the students, like the ones that students reacted to the, the strongest I kept um, the ones that kind of helped them like get the concept that I was trying to um, trying to give them. And yeah, so over the years um, I collected those one year when we were, on holiday and we had a blog post to write and I definitely didn't want to write a blog post. I wanted to go for a walk in the hills. Um, we kind of got lazy and we just thought, okay, we could just put loads of these cards up, these images that I've got. I'll just sort of take some, take some photos of them and do a quick description for each one. And, and that's a blog post. And we called it 11 little drawings that will help you remember English rules forever, probably. And um, yeah, it became our, our top post for months it was like wow. it, i think quadruple our our um our next next post it was it just it just sort of went a bit viral it was really really popular so i thought okay this is people are finding this useful this is this this is helping people so why don't i do like 102 of these and turn it into a book so i did <laughs> and it's in the yeah different categories getting the right preposition easily confused words ways to remember vocabulary bonus vocabulary idioms phrasal verbs when prepositions have meaning where vocabulary meets grammar little things that everybody gets wrong big grammar hypothetical situations and talking about time and yeah that okay, was it it's the broad range of of ideas there have topics to cover yeah well they're all kind of based on students misunderstandings and mistakes and during the learning process and there's a broad range of mistakes you can make when you're learning a language so try to cover as much as possible yeah are you able to or 
would you like to give us an example or is it, or do people have to yeah, buy the book sure. first? <laughs> no, no, of course. Um, it's going to be a bit tricky because I'm going to have to describe an image, but why not? Okay. Yeah, this is what I tell my students to do all the time. So if we... <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Okay. Um, okay, I'm looking at uh, the first one. Um, there's a, a picture of an island, like a desert island from the side. And there's a guy standing on the island and it says on the island. And there's a guy half buried in, in the island and he's in the island. And okay. this is basically highlighting a very common mistake I hear a lot with students saying, yes, I'm in the island now. Um, mm. or I, went, I went in an island or something like that. So, you know, preposition issues. Sometimes the images are like that one, which highlight, you know, the mistake and seeing the funny side of, of a mistake. Um, other things, let's find another one. Um, yeah, house, house and home, for example. Uh, this is an easily confused word. Um, I've got a picture of just a physical house and I've written house. <laughs> and there's a picture of a guy and he's thinking about a house and his family standing next to the house and that's home. Where your family is, where, yeah. where you feel at home. It's not just like, a, a exactly. neutral object. Yeah, it's like a concept more than more than a physical place. Uh, yeah, there's a very variety of, of ways of approaching it, but each of them has like examples and a description as well. Okay, so thank you for that. I'm going to um, add the link to your book onto the show notes page yeah, um, so people can, can find out about it because, yeah, I think especially for like visual learners as well or some way where people need a, a way to... To get it to stay in their head sometimes thinking about a situation or mm -hmm. um like a, a picture in your head is a really good way to do that so i yep. will add links to that um and also I, I mentioned before that you've got a podcast so i'll add the link to your podcast as well um, and i know you have a blog too so um we can we can add that in as well um Thank are you. you on social media can we find you yeah we do we do facebook a little um our main our main social media is uh, is Facebook, so it's Clark and Miller. Okay. Um, Clark like Clark Kent and Miller like the beer. Okay, I'll add add those as well. Hey. Well, thank you for your time today. That's been really Thanks good. Thanks so much. No, it was fun. I I love talking about these kinds of things, and yeah, great questions uh, with lots of interesting implications in them. <laughs> Thanks so much. Yeah. Well, it's been good to have you and everyone else. Have a good week and have fun learning English. Lovely. Thanks so much. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the English with Kirsty podcast. If you have any questions or comments, my email address is kirsty at englishwithkirsty.com or you can go to www.englishwithkirsty.com slash podcast where you'll find information about the individual episodes.